0: Increase sales, improve margins, and grow your business, guaranteed. Top secrets of marketing and sales.
1: Professional
0: Profile Series. Now, 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 David Blaze.
2: Hello, and welcome back to the Professional Profile Series, where we interview growth-minded business professionals to discuss what they can do better and differently to grow their sales and profits. I'm David Blaze from topsecrets.com, where we help business owners and salespeople to increase their sales, improve their profit margins, and grow their businesses. Once again, I am joined today by my co-host, business development goddess Bianca Eastvon, the executive producer of the show, who handpicked all of today's Guests. Welcome back, Bianca.
3: Thank you so much, David. And it's an honor again to be able to be here with these amazing individuals. It's always great to create a space for business owners where they can uh, share their valuable insights, gain some great information from the other guests, and promote their business at the same time. So I'm going to start with the first person on my screen, David Boyd, founder of Down to Earth Cuisine, all the way from Seattle. Welcome, David. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your business.
0: All right. Nice to meet all of you guys. Good to talk to you again, Bianca. Down to Earth Cuisine, we are a personal chef company, so we have a team of chefs that creates customized menus for clients based on their dietary preferences, needs, restrictions, et cetera. And then they do the meal prep on-site at the client's house, 100% on-site. It's not a commissary delivery model, although we're building that out now as we speak, but the chefs go from their house, do the shopping, custom menus for each client, and then prepare everything on-site at the client's kitchen, and then package everything up stock up their fridge, see you next week, do it all over again. So it's not coming in cooking and serving dinner, although we have some variations that do that. It's the meal prep is the majority of the business. I started this eight years ago, spent the prior 16 years in the restaurant industry, and I just got tired of working in that kind of toxic environment. You know, nights, weekends, long, late hours, toxic environment with toxic ingredients that didn't fill my cup any longer and my wife and I were engaged at the time we knew we wanted a family and wanted something conducive to that so started this through that lens to move away from a pain point toward the more pleasurable environment of not being in those four walls so to speak we focus on organic non-gmo wild-caught ingredients Reducing plastic in every way possible is a huge focus of ours, and then we donate to a few environmental organizations that plant trees on our behalf, remove plastic from the oceans on our behalf, and then we donate meals both locally and abroad. We've got a project in East Africa right now providing meals and education for those in the area to produce the food themselves. We just did a fundraiser, sent about enough rice to feed about 10,000 families in need to Ethiopia. So try to be a company with a conscience, looking through the lens of sustainability. I think the narrative needs to be rewritten a little bit when it comes to food and how we interact with it and all of the waste associated with it, etc. Started in Seattle, we've now branched out to San Diego, Orange County. We're heading up into L.A., The Bay Area, Palm Springs, Scottsdale, kind of the major hubs in the West Coast and amazing team. Grateful to have everybody on the team and to be able to kind of keep on reaching dreams and goals and setting and elevating those on a regular basis.
3: Thank you so much, David. It's incredible. The fact that you save lives and just, you know, transformed all that pain and helping people right now. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to go to my next person, Oksana. Hopefully I'm pronouncing your surname correctly. She's a motivational speaker, a keynote speaker, and an author all the way from Estonia. Welcome, Oksana. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your business.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much, Bianca, for the introduction. I'm very, very pleased to be around so many men and also beautiful Bianca here and everyone who is listening. So I am the founder of the House of Intimacy, um, which is designed for women who are super, super successful, super ambitious, but their bodies they are on a survival mode, so they can't really relax, they can't really feel this flow of life when they feel supported, regardless if they have a man in their life or not. And I also helped them to attract high-value men who love to take care of that beautiful woman. So all this kind of sensual vibes, sexual vibes, but also to really nourish and nurture yourself and especially women that I worked with as I started my business three years ago, I started as a healer. I've noticed that a lot of them have a lot of chronic pains, especially in lower back, allergies, eczema, problems in the reproduction system, infertility. So I started with all of that, and then I slowly moved more into the Roman section. So now I'm alone in my business for three years, and I only hired my business partner in November. So I'm really, really happy because of that. And I'm training to be a keynote speaker. I've also written a book, so it's uh, almost published, for the women to help them to move through the heartbreak. Because heartbreak was actually the story that completely turned around my life. And uh, I know how to help women to move through it without losing themselves in this heartbreak for years or months of crying. I am mostly working online and I'm also asked to go to the retreats where I get to do some hands-on work with women and my aspiration for this year is to be more visible and to really create meaningful connections and network a lot and really to connect to all parts of the world even more. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you so much, Oksana. We definitely needed this beautiful feminine
3: energy here with all these beautiful <laughs> men <laughs> as well. So this is absolutely great. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to go to our next uh, guest, Jeff Mount, Business Development Officer at Tactive Wealth, uh, all the way from Connecticut. Welcome, Jeff. Please tell us a bit about yourself and your business.
4: Thanks, Bianca. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeff Mount. I'm the Director of Business Development for Tactive Wealth we connect those in need with those who lead. So in addition to our wealth management services, which are quite common, we have a real intention of improving the financial literacy nationally by helping really advisors from from all over the country in terms of their outreach and their connection with people who have a need to understand how to retire, how to put their kids through college, how to pay for their weddings. We just talked about weddings. All of these things are family obligations that often are left unmet because 85% of America has chosen not to work with an advisor. So we're using a combination of ads and social media to start the conversation. And then we're using things like conversational AI and nurturing campaigns and automations to really scale it up so that these advisors who have worked really hard to get clients will actually find it pretty easy to get the clients and it won't cost them any more than 20 minutes a day, but most importantly, they'll be able to really build up their asset base and of course, new clients, new households. In fact, we can conservatively predict that each advisor who spends 12 months with us could add up to 135 households, new ones in just 12 months
3: wow thank you so much jeff for joining us it's amazing to hear that you improve the financial literacy i believe we need more of that for sure so thank you so much for joining us i'm going to go to our next guest stanley Dietrich, certified brain health coach from indiana welcome stanley please tell us a bit about yourself and your business
5: thank you bianca and i consider myself a peak performance coach and i'm a brain health coach certified under dr daniel Amen. I'm also a neuroencoding specialist. Um, I've shared the stage with Joseph McClendon. If you know who Joseph McClendon is, he's Tony Robbins' right-hand man for the last 35 years. And I'm a postural specialist. So I teach people how to become pain-free without medicine and without surgery. And I help people as a life coach, I help them create their future and not relive their past. So it's about changing and creating, and it's everything. And you know, when there was somebody that mentioned that women have a lot of pain in their lower back. A lot of that is emotional. Okay. So when our body has pain, then it's telling us something's out of alignment. So what I help people do is to challenge the narrative of what they've been told, what they've been taught, and to really use their own brain and think about how do they feel about that? And if they really believe that that story is true, and I don't Um, bash anybody or any other modality. But what I do say in my postural therapy is that there is no modality that adds value to what I do. I set the stage for every other modality. So, what I help people do is train the body when they go to their doctor, when they go to their chiropractor, when they go to the massage therapy. Now, I've set the stage so that's more of a success. And as a brain health coach, I look at what else is causing pain? What else is causing inflammation? It's the food that you're putting into your body when, you know, your cheapest food is your most expensive because your cheapest food in 20s and 30s and 40s, you're paying for it in 50s and 60s and 70s because your body's inflamed, it's shut down, and now we're in reactive mode instead of proactive mode. So that's a little snippet about what I do. Thank,
3: thank you. you so much, Stanley, for sharing those tips with us. Definitely very helpful. And I'm sure for our audience, they're going to take this advice as very precious. I'm going to go to our next guest, which is Jamie McCormick, founder of Skate Angry from Oklahoma. Welcome, Jamie. Please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your business.
6: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Bianca, for having me. I was i would be also surprised when Bianca got a hold of me and said, hey, I checked your profile out. I think you'd be good for this but I'm I'm glad to be here. As you said, I'm CEO of Skate Angry. I'm also an author and speaker. And just a little backstory before we get into Skate Angry, I worked at a psychiatric hospital for 10 years, and that's where I became a a speaker and an author. And I realized there are a lot of people who are hurting, and lots of them, it's all of their perspective. It's all just the way they look at things. And that led me to to create a teaching of perspective-driven purpose. Because our perspective is driving our life. It's either driving us to our purpose or away from our purpose. And I got a friend who was helping me build my speaking career and get my book off the ground. And 30 years ago, me and some friends were, were skateboarders. And I wrecked a lot. I was always in a ditch full of water or a bush or I was dodging a car or something like that. And I would get up and just skate as fast as I can. And a friend of mine went, dang, Jamie, don't skate angry. And I thought, that's a cool name for a clothing line you know, but our lives took different paths. Two of us got addicted to drugs. One of us killed himself. So it just never transpired. Then about six months ago, as we were talking about my speaking career, I was sitting on on the couch and I was like, I should start Skate Angry. And then I went, I should start Skate Angry. So I called my friend who was an accountant. I ran the idea behind her, what we're going to do. She's like, this will work. So what Skate Angry is, it's more than just a clothing line. It's a brand based on respect, integrity, and discipline. It's respect for yourself, integrity for the sport, discipline to do what it takes to succeed. And what we do, every member, every employee that we have makes the exact same amount of money from me down to the janitor. I don't think anybody should make thousands of bucks when someone's having problems paying their bills. I like how David Boyd said, a company with conscience. I like that. That was very cool. And what we do is after we pay our salary and our bills, we give 100% of it right back to the community. We support organizations like City Elders, Mama T's, Awakening Foundation, Boys and Girls Club, and so forth and so forth and so forth. And going out, moving out from Oklahoma is, as Bianca said, is where we're based. When we get more national, most of our employees are going to be the homeless people. We're going to reach out and let them know they don't have to eat out of dumpsters. So we're a company who gives back. And that's what it is. And the reason we have product, instead of just asking for donations, is because people hate to give money. They'll buy a product. So we started Skate Angry for skateboarders and extreme sports. And our whole goal is to give back to the community and give back to everybody. That's what we do.
3: Thank you so so much, Jamie. It's always lovely to connect with people that really care about creating an impact in the world. David, I want to take it back to you.
2: Okay. Thanks so much, Bianca. It's such a pleasure to meet this panel. Uh, so many amazing causes built in with your business missions, which I really appreciate as well, because obviously in the work that we do with our clients to help them grow their sales and profits, you know, when, when they're doing things that are going to benefit people even beyond themselves, it's just that much more rewarding. So congratulations on everything that you're doing. And once again, thank you so much for joining us today. So obviously our podcast and the work that we do here is about business growth. So let's start with what seems to be working well right now for you and what maybe seem to be creating some bottlenecks. Because generally speaking, whenever we're doing anything in our business, there are some things that are working well and there are some things that are potentially causing a bottleneck or causing some struggle. I'd like to get a feel for sort of where you are in the positives, where you are on the negatives. And let's start with Jamie. Jamie is actually the first one who got on here very early today. So we ended with Jamie. We're going to start with Jamie and uh, we'll go from there.
0: All right.
6: Well, as far as what I have going positive, I got a very good team. I have an accountant. I have an attorney. I have a computer guy, a graphics designer, and all these guys are working right now for free because they believe in what we're doing. So the positive thing I have is I have a good community behind me, a good support. And I understand that it's not me building it. I'm the brainchild but they're the ones building it. And as far as what the negative is, oh, man, it's funding. Getting the money to get it going to the direction we want it to go. So that's my negative.
2: Okay, that's great because it presents opportunities for, okay, who are the people we need to reach? What do we need to say? How do we need to say it in order to get the results that you're looking for? So that's awesome. Thank you so much.
5: Stanley, let's go to you next. What's working well for me is the results that I get with my clients. That's really the big key thing because once I do for somebody, then they're sharing it with their network and they're introducing me to other people. Probably my bottleneck is that I spend so much time immersing myself into new education. So if I have a client that has Parkinson's, I'm attending a week-long seminar webinar um summit so that I can understand more about that Parkinson's. And when I'm dealing with people with dementia and Alzheimer's, I'm delving into different things, modalities. So that's where my bottleneck is just segmented my time and not chasing a bunch of rabbits to to heal the world, but to heal a few. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> What's the saying?
5: Trying to catch uh, two rabbits, one
2: rabbit? Yeah. yeah. trying to catch two. You're no, not getting yeah. any. That's a terrible paraphrase of whatever that statement was, but it is absolutely true. Okay, Oksana.
1: Yeah, thank you. So I'm kind of in a similar place where Stanley is as well. So I've changed my target market from before I was certifying healers to work from consciousness and now moving more towards a very specific romance section up to a very specific target market for very successful ladies. And now I have a very clear vision who they are, and now it's just full-blown getting those ladies into my world because the clientele has changed obviously they're not where they used to be like they're not so much on Facebook they're more maybe on LinkedIn so I'm just moving there and it just takes a little bit of time and transitioning what's working well for me is now I have a business partner because my mind is like oh I love to do everything (laughs) you know I'm a business partner is like a farmer in a sense of Oksana Slow and steady. And I'm like, yes, of course. So, very masculine man. And it really works and really balances my energy. And I love that so much. And I feel like it creates a very beautiful structure and all this technical support that I'm getting from him and uh, what really works also i love what i do and i mean whatever I've, i set my hands on, it works amazing and i love seeing women happy so i'm gonna continue doing that it's just getting now to the right people and uh putting my two feet like in a fast cars and i love fast cars by the way and go for
2: that's so great and it sounds like you you're really focused in on your targeting you know exactly the market that you're going after which makes your messaging a hundred times easier i'm looking forward to having some more discussion about that in today's episode david what would you say what's working well and what's working not as well
0: yeah thank you whenever i started this eight years ago i by some stroke of luck saw the value of seo marketing that's been primarily the path that we've gone down in the marketing very wide road of marketing in general for the most part i had a business coach through the sbdc Uh, i'm actually speaking at the capitol building next or on the 14th and 15th around the growth that we've seen through the sba and the sbdc so i found this coach jennifer she and i still work together. I would go knock on the door every day that I could. Every day she would open the door and say, let's do this. Show me more. I knew how to cook. I knew nothing about running a business or marketing all the things and all the hats Mm -hmm. you have to wear. And so I, by some stroke of luck, thought, well, I want to get our website to rank high on Google searches. People looking for a personal chef are going to look on a Google search, I thought, you know, instead of maybe an avenue of social media or you know, whatever other channels. And so put a ton of energy into the website from day one, built it out, migrated over to WordPress because it's a more uh, SEO friendly site. So that's been the majority of energy that we've put into marketing is through the lens and everything drives back to those organic searches. So people come to us through the website that's how we expand is by looking at which market has the most search volume per capita and all the other things that go into that. For some of the other business models that we are building out, we'll lean more into social media. I actually have a friend really big in the social media space met also through the Tony Robbins organization. And we're going to start working on personal brand and doing more podcasts and speaking engagements and things of that nature. So social media will be more a part of the piece of the puzzle as time goes on. What's not working as well? So we expanded in November out to San Diego and Orange County, uh, essentially kind of simultaneously. Now I have some chefs down in the area and I am now doing Google paid ads until our Domain has more authority in that area to get more clicks by trading dollars for clicks, essentially. And that is not good for, you know, margins and revenue. So that's what's not going as well, essentially building those individuals to full time schedules. And then I'm going to cut the dollars off on that. But yeah, that's the the good and the bad, the sweet and the sour in, in marketing for me.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> spoken like a true chef. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, David. I appreciate it. Jeff, what about you? What's working well and what is not working quite as well at the moment?
4: So you heard me talk about the innovation that we've combined. Think of it this way. If you're going through a Facebook ad or an Instagram feeds, and you come across one of our ads and you go, wow, that's really cool. And you click on it and you say, oh my God, they're giving something away. If I just fill out my information about who I am and how I can be contacted. Great. Well, MIT tells us you have one minute to contact that person before it's completely forgotten. And the good news is if you can contact them within that one minute, you get a 400% better chance of bringing that person to becoming a client than if you waited 24 hours. And the reason of course is they weren't there for the ad, they were just scrolling. And as soon as they get through the ad, they start scrolling again and it's gone, it's out of their head. So our automations are sending text message, email, and even a phone call from conversational AI. The phone call is really cool. And by the way, we have in our image of what a bot would sound like. It doesn't sound like a bot. In fact, one of the bots we have sounds exactly like me. It's my voice, but it's not my words. It's the bot carrying a real conversation with my voice to these people. We have a number of voices and accents and the whole deal. The challenge we have within the course is to cut the thought of conversational AI scares the hell out of some people. And when Mm -hmm. they hear a bot, they think, oh, it's going to be robotic like Arnold Schwarzenegger from the robots that that he did in Terminator. It's not like that at all. It has one purpose. It has very narrow guardrails in terms of what it can discuss. As soon as you ask it a tough question, it says, you know what? You need to talk to the real Jeff Mount, not me. And it, it does eventually identify itself as being an AI bot. But yeah, getting people to become comfortable with technology, and let's face it, it is a controversial technology, yeah. is a real challenge. But again, the intention is just to get them on the calendar, and that's it, nothing more. There was a post yesterday from Gary the Gary Vaynerchuk, if you guys are familiar with him or not. I'm a big fan. And it said, for innovators, there are two types of clients. There's the one who says, eh, I'm not going to do it because I want to wait and see how everybody else does with that deals with it first. And once they've tested, then I'll buy. And the second one is, yeah, I'm not going to buy it because they've already used it and it's, it's too late. I I missed out. So those are the two types of prospects I'm looking at.
2: That's interesting and very true. Yeah. They don't want to be the innovator and they don't want to be the follower. So they end up being nothing. It's, it's an excellent
4: Exactly. Point.
2: Yes. Wow. Definitely nervy there. You know, before this podcast started, we were talking about the idea of how some professionals uh, seem to value their time more than the people that they're working with. And I could see how that could potentially cause an issue for people if they feel like what they're having a bot call me instead of calling me themselves. But I think if you can use the technology to be able to initiate those conversations quickly and get them engaged, I can see how that would make a lot of sense. Bianca, we had a lot of points here.
3: We did indeed. Thanks so much, David. So what we learned so far is that Jamie, uh, what's working great for him is that he has a very great community. Now the challenge is to get the funding, which I'm sure is not going to be a problem going forward from now on. Stanley, the results that he gets with his clients are the most important thing. And the hard work is obviously that he has to research for every individual patient and for every disease that he has to handle. Oksana... Mm -hmm. She loves what she does. She has a very clear vision of who are the people that she needs to target and what she needs to do to reach out to them. Now, the challenge is that things are a bit slower when it's about targeting those people. David, the value of the CEO marketing, he has a very great coach that helps him to run his business and his great passion, obviously, for natural products. Now, the challenge Mm -hmm. is to get more uh, visible on social media and to reach all those channels. Jeff, he is using the AI that helps him to make things happen faster. And obviously, the challenge is that people are still not quite used to with the new technology and how to use that. Uh, Thank you so much, David. I want to pass it back to you.
2: Okay. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is a somewhat controversial topic, and it's a topic that I refer to as moving from stealth mode to intimidation mode. And some people might find that whole idea or that concept a little bit offensive, but I just like to sort of clarify what we're talking about here because In a lot of cases, when we're just starting out in business, we're trying to create awareness with the prospects and clients that we need to make aware of us they have no idea we're alive. They don't even know that we're taking in air on the planet, which makes it very difficult to get them to buy from us. So very often what I've found is that in the early stages, if you're operating in stealth mode, you're able to do a lot of things quietly behind the scenes before your competitors are even aware of the fact that you're out there. And you can look at this from two different standpoints. One is from your own standpoint in your own business. How does this impact me? Am I Have I been operating in stealth mode? Do I need to become a little more visible in the marketplace? And you can also look at it from the standpoint of your competition. Which of your competitors have been operating quietly behind the scenes and which of them have been relatively intimidating in the market? A lot of times when we're going into a new market and other people are already established there, it can be intimidating for us. It's like, well, how am I ever going to compete with this? And so I find that simply by recognizing the fact that there are really two very distinct modes of operation, one being stealth mode, where you're doing it quietly behind the scenes, and another being intimidation mode, which is you're getting your message out there, the market's aware of you, your competitors are aware of you, and you're just going out guns a-blazing, that it has two completely different impacts on the market. So I'd first like to get your take on the overall concept, love it, hate it, if you've experienced anything like it, and which way you're leaning these days. Let's start with Oksana on this one, if we can. Uh,
1: I love the concept, but I feel like it works more when you're working in a team where you have a more like a, a bit bigger company. I feel like individual as me, a woman wellness mentor, we have like thousands of women wellness mentors out there and just to work in a stealth mode. I'm not sure if that will be the wisest idea, but that's what's going on in my head right now, and I feel like knowing your unique selling point and why you differ is important and just going out there because literally nobody's going to see you if you are one individual in a very big pool. But that's my opinion about
2: it. It's a great take. And that's why I asked the question is because I love getting other people's feelings about this, other people's opinions on it. As you're going out to your market, you're going to... Have to choose to some extent which of the women that you're going to reach, which ones you're going to be able to create awareness with up front. And before you can get to the point where everyone knows who you are, there will need to be some, I guess, discernment up front. Do you see it that way as well, where you're going to be starting with a relatively small segment of the market, creating awareness with them, and then expanding from there?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, knowing who you talk to and just really getting results. And then word of mouth, referrals, and really just following the same concept. And then, of course, innovation and everything. But I feel like the more I stand in a certainness of, I know who I'm talking to, I know what I can do, the easier it is for me to be visible and to really own the work that's flowing through me. And own the market as well and no longer like looking at the competitors what they're doing or what's happening there it's just like almost on this fast lane it's like you know those gorgeous women we don't want to compare ourselves with the women and if the man likes me more or her and then trying to compete with each other for this man's attention I know I'm beautiful I know who I am and if that man chooses me then great so so is with the business so I really a I lot compare my business with a man
2: Okay, uh, I love what you <laughs> described there. And I'm sure you're going to have tremendous success getting to your Thank ideal you. target Thank market. You Thank least. you so much, Oksana. I appreciate it. Thank All you. Right, Let's go to Jeff next.
4: Yeah, so we are definitely making that shift from being stealth to really attacking everything. And quite frankly, we're being pushed to do it. As we put out the ads, we have our own set of ads that go on social media and email and phone, et cetera. We're getting a lot of attention from other competing uh-huh. marketing firms. They're responding to our ads. They're the ones wanting more information. So we understand. And quite frankly, we're not intimidated at all by those firms. We know there's a really a handful of marketing firms that have the depth and experience in the financial services industry that we have. And there is a big disconnect with a lot of marketing firms that don't understand what a financial advisor does all day. They don't know what a wholesaler is. And we do. We understand exactly what that's all about. So yeah, we're ready to go and be aggressive and we're not shy.
2: Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I believe it was sales trainer Zig Ziglar. He used to say, shy salespeople have skinny kids.
4: Yes, I do recall that.
2: (laughs) All right. Let's go to David next.
0: Stealth versus attack mode from the lens of SEO marketing perspective, it was all get more eyeballs on the site. So we kind of initially approached it, we I of how can we get more eyeballs to come to the website to sign up and that sort of thing. you kind of mentioned something earlier that rang a bell, David, of sometimes you see people that have another presence in their field and it can either be intimidating to them There is another company in the area that kind of grew at the same rate as us and we're friends, you know, and a healthy, I don't know if I would even call it a competition, but I saw it as like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, you know, that's my fuel to keep on going. They're not going to do anything that we're not going to be able to do. So I just wanted to reflect on that. And then I think we always again approached it of the splash kind of effort of splashing ourselves into the market when i first started i got like business cards and i would go around to farmers markets and just hand them out you know this is us this is what we do it's affordable and easy and i was like that's so cheesy i have no idea what that even means (laughs) you know and it was a message near and dear but We're building out a delivery model. We're going to have a national footprint with that 100% compostable packaging, a few other things down the road. But so with that, we had a business model uh, of a delivery model during COVID when nobody wanted anybody in their house anymore and understandably so. We put it back into the oven, tweaked the recipe a little bit just to overplay on those food puns and analogies. And we are approaching that with more of a stealth mode. We're building out some software on the back end. That'll be a fulfillment, you know, custom site to mirror the SEO site. And then we're going to kind of launch it once it's kind of beta tested and that sort of thing in terms of just marketing and fulfillment, websites talking to each other. So historically, we've approached it with the all in splash approach, and it's kind of We've got a handful of other business models we're building out over the next few years, a nonprofit down the road, happy to expand on that at some point. But it's a little different for each kind of business model, just depending on what we feel the best, most well-received approach would be. And if we need to be more stealth or splash. Yeah. So a little bit of both.
2: Yeah. I love the idea Mm -hmm. of making a splash the idea when, when you're a kid and you jump into the pool and you, you do a belly flop and sometimes a <laughs> belly flop can actually be more exciting and fun and attention getting than a perfect dive. It that's gets, gets us noticed. All right, Jamie.
6: Yeah, when we first started Skate Angry, we were definitely stealth mode because that's a big market, the whole skateboarding athletic thing. And what makes us different from every other skateboard out there, you know, it's not just skateboard grip tape or trucks. What sets us apart from the next one? Why would you buy our board? Why would you buy our product compared to somebody else's? And then my accountant sat down with me and my media guy and said, look, here's what we're doing. We're going to push the movement. So we've definitely gone from stealth to attack. I got people in different states wearing the product, posting on Facebook and all over getting it out. So I think there's a time for stealth until you get your stuff built. And my whole thing was I wanted to be quiet until everything was perfect and then go, you got to understand not everything's going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So position then learn how to do it. So that's what I've done. I don't know how to run a business. I got friends that do. I don't know how to do computers. I got friends that do. I don't know how to do graphics. I got friends that do. So we're Mm -hmm. attacking. Let's do it.
2: I love that. I love what you just described there. And I can so relate to what you're talking about, because so often in the early stages, that's what we're doing. We're doing it quietly. We're doing it behind the scenes. But then when you've got everything together and you start getting out in front of people, the better you're able to do that. And the more effectively you're able to do that, the more In some ways, intimidating it becomes to your competitors. And that might not be the goal. That's probably not the goal, but the goal has to be creating awareness in your market. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of doing that.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Jamie.
5: Appreciate it. Stanley. I want to say there's a balance of both the stealth and the intimidation. I'm in meetings with doctors and I will challenge their thoughts and their personas, what they're presenting, and I will challenge them in a respectful way, just to say, hey, have you really thought about this? You know, why are you prescribing that? Why are you saying surgery? Why haven't you looked at this? So I can intimidate when people will say that, you know, when I walk into a room, I do have this intimidation and I don't mean to, but it's just my nature. And the stealth mode is that because I work individually with my postural clients, you know, most people don't even understand what postural therapy or being a postural specialist is. And when I explain it to them, then it's pretty straightforward. But I work individually with those clients. So it's not a group thing. I cannot do that as a group. So that's where I'm in that stealth mode where I am coming in under the radar, met through referrals. But my intimidation mode is now I go out and present this to people. But you know they get lost in the terminology of their own limited thinking and I can explain it to them. They're still trying to pronounce it. You know, it's like, what did you say that was again? And I don't know all the names of the muscles in the body, but I can tell you how to recruit them and to get out of pain. And I have other specialist chiropractors that refer me to their clients. So that's where that collaboration of constituents works together. So that intimidation and stealth, it's kind of a mix.
2: Yeah, and I appreciate that, Stanley. And I also, I appreciate the panel's patience even with that term, because I know for some people, it's like, I, I'm not looking to be intimidating. I'm not not looking to intimidate anyone. And, and when I use that term, I don't use it in that sense. I use it in the sense that if you want your market to know who you are, you do have to make a splash. You have to be noticed at some point where everybody recognizes that you're out there. It doesn't mean they're all going to do business with us, but it means that they at least have an opportunity to do business with us because they know we're taking in air on the planet. They know we're alive. And until that level of notification happens, until they know that we're out there, then they just can't choose us. And ultimately, what I've seen happen is that when we get really good at letting people know what we do and how we do it, it does become, whether we like it or not, intimidating to the people who are trying to compete with us. So I appreciate you going along with me on this topic for this particular discussion. Thank you so much. Bianca.
3: I love our guests today. They are very, very energetic, and I love their insights. So what we got so far is that Oksana loves the concept, but she thinks this applies more for a team rather than for individuals. And she says that at the end of the day, a business is like a man. I love that. Jeff says that a lot of companies don't understand the market and how things work. So they are ready to be aggressive and they are not shy at all. David, he likes a bit of both. And also he likes to keep it friendly with his competition because he knows there is nothing they can do better than them. Jamie, he knows that his company is different because of the special movement they have. They are ready to attack as well. Stanley, he has a balance of both. He likes to intimidate and likes the stealth as well. He also likes to go after doctors and challenge their thoughts. I love that. Thank you so much everyone for sharing your insight. David, please tell me if you have any additional thoughts on today's topic.
2: Well, I thought it was particularly interesting when Stanley was talking about the idea of interacting with doctors and having to sort of confront them about their own beliefs and giving them another frame of reference, which can be intimidating both for the doctor and also for you, Stanley, in trying to communicate like that with someone who is probably very fond of his or her own opinion. (laughs) So uh, kudos to you on getting in there and, and mixing things up. But I think as we discussed, if our goal is to create as much awareness as possible with our target audience, it's like making an omelet. You're going to have to crack a few eggs if you want to make an omelet. And sometimes that's what happens in business. So again, I really appreciate your thoughts. Does anyone have any additional questions either for us or for each other regarding the topics that we touched on today?
0: I heard from a few people from Oksana, kind of Stanley, word of mouth is your chosen avenue. And I think to better kind of have an opportunity to co-elevate i'm always you know interested in learning and growing together i think continued education and growth mindset is something that i've heard a few of us kind of mention as a very important part of our lives and i think maybe some ways that we connected on the back ends but what are some ways maybe that you guys in this esteemed panel continue your education and growth for your own self to learn new ways to market because what got us here isn't always the best thing that's going to move us forward i love the ai jeff i'd love to hear more about that to be able to kind of clone yourself a little bit and you know before it takes over the world or whatever right to be able to use that as a tool i think is a powerful forward thinking tool for marketing but What are some other things that you guys as a group are interested in learning more in the marketing space here in which we sit?
4: As far as the AI goes, I've been an innovator for 15 years and I've pushed the envelope and sometimes you fall on your face and sometimes you nail it and it it works. Don't be scared. You know, literally take an hour a day and reach outside your comfort zone. You're going to make mistakes. I mentioned earlier, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee, Gary Vaynerchuk. If ever you want to learn about social media, follow that guy. He will teach you a lot. And he's the first one to say, you're going to put up a bad post. And yeah, everyone's going to see it. But a week from today, nobody will remember. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Just try it. See what's out there. If you ever follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see I post every single day and I change the tone. In fact, this is important. His famous line is jab, 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 punch." So for every four social media posts you put up, three of them are just pure value. There's no call to action. It's just establishing your brand. And then the fourth one, you still offer something of value. But yeah, there's a call to action. You want somebody to do something, whether it's communication, whether it's buying something, whether it's being somewhere whatever the case may be. But you want to learn about social media, I would follow that guy. He's fantastic.
2: That's a great recommendation. I think one of the things that I notice, particularly in the sales and marketing space these days, is that everybody's got a hook. Everybody's got a thing. And so there are some people who specialize in putting together programs that are all about how to grow your business using Facebook groups or how to grow your business using Whatever the tool of the day is. And it reminds me of the old expression that when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And it also makes me think that so much of what is being taught out there will actually work if you take action on that thing and you pursue it and you actually follow through on the recommendations. But a lot of times we don't. You know, we suffer as entrepreneurs. I know I do. I suffer from shiny object syndrome. And I have invested in a lot of different programs over the years, a lot of different coaching, a lot of different people. I've spent a lot of money with a lot of people to learn a lot of different things and then test it out and say, okay, what actually works? What will actually generate a result for me? And if I want to learn how to generate sales through LinkedIn, there are people who do that, people who do it through Facebook. And each of them will tell you that this is the way to get customers. This is the way. (laughs) And it may very well be true, but For me, over the years, doing this as long as I've done it, what I've recognized is that it's all about boiling it down to its core components, which is what is the marketing message I need to communicate to people? What combination of marketing vehicles am I going to use to communicate that message? And then who are the people or prospects I need to reach? Because whether my marketing vehicle is Facebook or LinkedIn or direct mail, direct marketing, postcard deck advertising. There are a million of them. Whatever the marketing vehicle is, is just one part of the equation. If your messaging doesn't line up, then when they get that mailing or they see that post, it's not going to resonate with them. If you've got a great message, utilizing the right combination of marketing vehicles, going to the wrong person, they're not going to respond. So it's like the three legs on the stool. You get those three things lined up, and whatever you do is very likely to work. So a lot of the work that we do with our clients is about identifying, okay, where are you struggling now? Is it with the message? Is it with the combination of marketing vehicles you're using? Or is it with the people that you're trying to reach? So my short answer to that is I've spent a lot of money on a lot of people, and I just try to distill it down to, okay, what will actually get my client the best result next? Anyone
0: else? I think that's... it's. Hits on a lot of points of similarities to branding, right? What you're speaking about, it's speaking with a unanimous voice, know thyself, right? Know what your superpower is and how can you just best share that? And not really in the space of branding, but very similar if you are posting or, you know, paper ads using the similar fonts and similar color schema and, and that sort of thing, I think is what I was hearing out of that. And yes, I've also spent a lot of money on various things. So I get that. Oksana, you mentioned earlier about wanting to go in a million different directions all the time. I could also relate to that with having, you know, about five business models we're going to roll into. I'm curious to ask the group as well, if you wouldn't mind to share, maybe uh, that kind of resonated with me, but what are some things that you can do to I'm not that great at finding a lane and staying in it. My lane is wide. It's like, Oh, we'll try this. We'll do this. And it's not always the most productive. I think that, you know, you can achieve that with the right implementer, right? In the EOS model and the right um, person that can help you turn those visions into paths. But, Do you guys also find trouble with that as entrepreneurs yourself, or have you been able to just find your lane and stick very true to it? Maybe Jamie, I'll ask you, you know, being in a very specific market of roller skating apparel, I mean, that seems like it's a lane that you stay in. Is that something you see yourself doing for the next X amount of years? Or you're like, okay, we grow this, we give back to the community that allows us to springboard to some other ideas as well. Right.
6: When I was talking to my accountant about it, she has some ideas as well. I've known her since high school. She's now sort of my business partner in it. But yeah, Skate Angry is going to have many things underneath it for housing, getting people's cars fixed, things like that. But right now we're staying very focused to get Skate Angry going to where we need it to go or the other stuff won't come to fruition. But yeah, right now we are very focused on it, but eventually it's going to branch out to other things for sure.
2: Yeah. I could really relate to what you were saying, David, about what I refer to as entrepreneurial ADD, right? <laughs> yes. It's like we see that shiny object and we just go. And I think there are a lot of us who struggle with that. But ultimately, our success is going to come from completing something. And I remember hearing some speaker talk about this a while ago. I forget who it was, but they were talking about how there are starters and there are finishers. And I realized that in my businesses, I was always a starter. I was always starting a new project. And it reminds me of the plate spinners in the circus. You know, you got to get that first plate going really well before you start the second. Otherwise, you're going to have smashed plates all over the place. And so I think as entrepreneurs, that needs to be the focus. It's like, okay, what am I getting up and running? Let's make sure that's up and running really well before we start a second thing. But uh, Oksana, yeah, David was also sort of asking your take on that. So if you wouldn't mind chiming in.
1: Yeah, so I also have HDHD and this is what I found that was very useful. So HDHD brain works on the impulses, as we know, something that comes with a very high impulse of emotion, excitement. And all the ideas that come from excitement are not the right ideas. Everything that comes underneath, very peaceful, very like you just wake up and you're like, oh, I just know it. It's like hallelujah moment, but very, very peacefully. That's the right idea. And just keeping that as the truth and the rest not the truth it's just something you pick up from the field from other people and that really helped me to stay very focused because then I start also paying attention to my body language. For example, if I'm sitting and focusing on my work and then, you know, the HG3 begins, go get a coffee. No, wait, maybe you need to go on Monday. Maybe you need to train now. And I just allow those thoughts to come through and I'm like, I observe them, but it's not me. And what's the truth? The truth is like, I need to devote to my work now. <laughs> so <laughs> let's do it. So yeah, it's making this differentiation between what thoughts are coming from inspired excitement, And what comes very very peacefully
2: you just gave a beautiful description of meditation
1: yeah but we are walking meditations we don't even need to meditate once we're
2: i know but but i mean the fact that you're you're recognizing these thoughts in your head you're recognizing that these thoughts are not you and then you're making the decision as to whether or not you want to give attention to them i just thought that was i thought that was beautifully stated thank you
6: thank you all
2: right bianca
3: I mean, I just, you know, loved and and I can relate with what Oksana said because I'm like that as well, Oksana, you know, my mind goes everywhere, but I did learn, you know, with time and with a lot of years of practicing how to just chill down my emotions and to do exactly what I meant to be doing in that time. We had incredible people today. Is there anything else, David, that you would like to add?
2: Well, I just like to give everyone an opportunity to let everyone who's watching this podcast know where is the best place to reach out to you. So
5: let's start with Stanley. I can be reached at 360lifewithoutlimits.com and they can schedule a virtual coffee. It's no charge. It's complimentary. And it's a 30-minute call just to get to know who they are. Perfect. Thank you, Stanley. David.
0: Yeah, we are down to earth cuisine You can check us out there and happy to answer any questions that you have. All right. Oksana?
1: It's a bit harder to find me. Oksanachimpuaca.com. So probably nobody will remember my surname, but T-S-I-M-P-O-A-K-A.com or my Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all with the same name.
4: You're everywhere. Perfect. Jeff? My email is jeff.mountmout.com. Wealth.com.
6: Okay. And Jamie? Yeah, I got one for my speaking in my book. It's McCormick Motivation at Yahoo.com. And then for Skate Angry, it's Jay McCormick at SkateAngry.com. And then the website is SkateAngry.com.
2: Okay. And Bianca, how can people get in touch with you?
3: They can. I'm everywhere. Like Oksana, they can look for me. Bianca Istvan on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you name it. TikTok, whichever it is, I'm there and everybody can schedule a call with me.
2: Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you to everyone on the panel. Thank you for sharing today. Once again, I would encourage anyone who's watching this to ask yourself, how can you apply anything that you might have heard or learned here today as quickly as possible? What sort of changes could you potentially make to your business as a result of doing that? And what's the potential impact? Because any single suggestion that you received here today that is actually implemented can create a cascade of events that could significantly impact your business. If you'd like to discuss how we can put what we talked about today to work for you and your business, just go to topsecrets.com slash call. That's topsecrets.com slash call. We would love to have a conversation with you. Thank you again. I appreciate your participation, everyone. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thank
0: you. Increase sales, improve margins, and grow your business. Guaranteed. Top Secrets. TopSecrets.com